Our text today is from Romans 8, verses 12 through 28. Hear now the word of the Lord. So then, brothers and sisters, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will also be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruit of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, again, good morning, church. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Nathan. I'm one of the, the senior pastors. I've been spending a little bit more time with you here at the Shawnee campus during kind of some of these sabbaticals, and it's a, it's a delight to be with you. I spend most of my time at Olathe, but it's, it's uh, such a joy uh, just to see so many faces and to be together with you. Let me, let me pray um, for us, um, and we'll jump into this incredible chapter of God's Word. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that by the power of your Spirit, You would be here among us and within us even now as we enter into this incredible chapter and this incredible letter in your incredible book. God, I I pray that you would uh, speak by your spirit deep into each one of us, that we would know your voice, that we would hear you call us your children that we would know that you help us in our weakness, groaning out alongside us, and that we would hear your promise of glory to come. We ask you to do this, Lord Jesus, in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so when you see something like this, what do you say? I mean, assuming, assuming children are present. Um, or, or, or this, yes, the, like the perfect, the perfect pass, just barely missed. Or imagine, you know, Salvi's up the bats, two outs, Tyne runs on third, and he strikes out. What do you, 
What do you say in that moment? Or maybe, maybe you prefer soccer and it goes off the goalpost. Like what, what comes out of your mouth? It, now keep in mind, again, like children are present. We're in church for crying out loud, people. Uh, what comes out of your mouth in a moment like this? It's probably, probably something like, ah, right? Like this sort of animal-like groaning, growling, sort of this guttural, like weird, or maybe it's more of an uh sound, right? We groan. It has to come out. You can't, you can't keep it in. And the funny thing, it actually does make you feel a little bit better, doesn't it? We all, we all do it, right? Every one of us, like you know exactly what I'm talking about in those, those moments. And it does, like studies have shown that this is a sort of a natural physiological response to when we humans are in physical or even emotional pain, we groan. And it does give us a tiny bit of relief. It's weird, isn't it? I tell you what, the older I get, the more groaning I do. I mean, uh, last week I had to get out of a Prius. I'm 6'5", I'm people. It was, it was like a medieval torture device. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I was like bracing on. And I'm, I'm, only, I'm not even 42 yet. I turned 42 next month. I'm not that old. Or like uh, uh, recently this summer, my wife and I, we went on this long hike. It was 12 miles, 1,600 feet of elevation. It was one of the highlights of my summer. Absolute beauty. But later on that night, and again, I, I don't, I'm not that old, Right? We're, we're really active, but I, I had to get up in the middle of the night, so maybe I am getting old. Um, and like the first step up, like my entire body just groaned. I thought I was going to fall over. We groan, don't we? The older I get, the more I groan. And I don't just mean with aches and pains. I don't just mean when I'm watching sports ball. That's the easy stuff. More and more, my groaning these days comes from the things that really matter. It's like, for example, when I look at, look at my kids and I realize how little time I have left and yet how much more I want for them. I just, I groan. Or, or I think about the weight of, of work and maybe, maybe you feel this in your own workplace. Like you, you feel the weight of decisions or the people around you or just impossible choices. You don't know what's ahead, right? And you just, you, you, you groan. Or maybe it's just as you think about the people you love, right? People within our church family or people within your own family, and you look at the heartache that they're experiencing, whether it's cancer or infertility or job loss or, or some deep, deep pain. You groan. Or even just look beyond that. Look at our world. Gosh, I'm so tired of COVID. My goodness. And the polarization that just continues to tear us apart? Or you think about injustice or wars, you think about wildfires or terrorism uh, or, you know, hurricanes. Like, it's, it's, it's as if our entire planet is actually involved in the groaning, right? And we groan because sometimes words just aren't enough. You don't know how to articulate it. You don't even know what to pray, and so we groan weird, isn't it, that we humans do this? But you know what's weirder? I mean, you can't make this stuff up. It almost sounds ridiculous. It's not just we who groan, but our God groans. 
I mean, did you, did you catch that in Romans 8? We have a God who groans, like I do, when I'm feeling overwhelmed by the weight of everything around me or the people I, I love and experience, like, like me when I'm feeling lonely or depressed or, or just out of my depth, right? And I groan, so does my God groans. Specifically, the Holy Spirit. We've been, we've been studying him the last several weeks together as a church. Kind of an unusual series. Typically, we look at books of the Bible as a church here at Christ Community. But we've been doing kind of this theological series, looking at the story of the Holy Spirit. Who, who is he? This, this forgotten, often forgotten member of the Trinity. What, who is he and what does he mean for us as followers of Jesus? And if you take just one thing with you today, I hope it's this. Our God groans it's not just us like we're not we're not crazy right it makes me feel a little bit less crazy in those moments of of groaning nor are we alone in our groans our God groans with us and for us and if you belong to him through Jesus your groans are his groans and together our groans can tell a better story and so if you haven't already, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. This, this is quite possibly my favorite chapter in the entire Bible. Uh, the amount of, of stuff that Sir Paul crams in here is he, he's built, he's writing this letter to the Romans, this, this church that is in the midst of some really hard things, right? There, there's some suffering, some persecution about to happen if it's not already happening. And, and it kind of builds. He talks about the sin and the brokenness and all of this. And they, like Romans 8 is like this incredible climax of God's goodness and love, his faithfulness to his people. I mean, it starts out, there is no condemnation. Those words that Joseph read for us after our confession. There's no condemnation left for those who are in Jesus. And in this, this section in particular, we're looking at 12 through 28. I wish we could just talk through all of it. It's so, so amazing. But in, in that section, the word for groan or groaning is used three times. And what's interesting, it's used once for our world, once for us, and once for our God, the Holy Spirit. All of us are groaning together like some sad but beautiful chorus. So let me read beginning in verse 18. We'll jump back to verse 12 in a minute, but let's start with 18. We see earth groaning. Paul says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. I mean, did, you hear, did you hear all that? There's so much there, right? I mean, he starts off by saying our sufferings don't even compare with the glory that is to come. And then he talks about how creation is like, like the planet itself, earth itself is on the edge of its seat waiting, longing for glory to come. He says that it's because of our, our sin, right, that, that even creation groans, that our, our sin has forced this world into bondage to corruption, he says. And so the trees groan. The waters and the weather 
animals and plants, everything is groaning. Every, every forest fire, every hurricane, every earthquake or drought, every virus or plague, the planet itself groans out to God. But don't, don't miss this. It's not the groanings of despair. Like, it's not just futile, right? Paul says it's, it's hope. He says it's like a woman in childbirth. Like, think about that metaphor, what that means, right? It means there's anticipation. It means that something better, something worthwhile is coming. That is, that is going to have been, been worth it. It's, it's like our bro- broken world is trying to give birth to another one. A new creation. And every groan and every push is one step closer. And so earth groans. And then the song continues to build. Like the, You hear some more voices added into this, this chorus. Our groans join in the singing. This, this strange song, my groans, your, your groans. Because verse 23, right, right after this, Paul, Paul says, And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit's Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons the redemption of our bodies. We're groaning, Paul says, for our adoption to be finalized. I mean, even just think about that metaphor, adoption. Like, many of you understand this word very personally, right? You know what it's like to be welcomed in or to welcome someone else in to make someone else your child. And many, many theologians have, have called adoption, our adoption by God the Father himself, as the highest privilege of the gospel. Like of all the gifts that are, that are thrown into the, the good news of what Jesus has done, adoption might just be the, the highest, the best, because we who were once enemies with God because of our sin, we have been welcomed in, not merely as slaves or subjects, we're not, we're not captured as prisoners of war. We're welcomed in as family. Because of Jesus, God is our father. Jesus is our big brother. And the spirit? Well, this is is the first thing we hear our God groaning out to us. Here's the first thing. Our God groans, you are my children. That's that's the first thing. God is our father. Jesus is is our big brother. And the Spirit whispers directly to our hearts with groans that are inaudible. You are mine. You belong in this family. That's really what Paul is saying. So go back now up to to verse verse 14. So there, again, Paul is kind of unpacking this idea of of what the Spirit is doing. He says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We're not not slaves captured by, by fear. We're heirs with Christ. Like sons and daughters in the family of God, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba is the the Aramaic word for dad, right? 
And father there, it's, it's translated from the, the Greek word. I mean, it's like Paul is saying, it doesn't matter what language you're speaking in this, this moment. Like, there's, there's tenderness here. There's, there's intimacy. And we're, you know, we're so used to this, right? We're used to calling God our father. But just think about the, the audacity we Christians have in doing that. Like, the God of the universe, the one who made you, the holy one, the, the sovereign judge over the universe. We get to call him Dad. And my, and my kids, they know that they can ask dad for anything. Like, they know I'm probably going to say no. But they're, gonna, they're willing to ask. Like, they're not, they're not afraid to, to ask. And they, they know that, that I love them and that nothing could ever change. They know that I'm proud of them. They know that I love spending time with them, that I want to be with them. And I am, I am far from a perfect dad, right? I'm a lousy dad at times. And yet, they know this about their father. How much more our perfect heavenly father Look what he says next in verse verse 16. He says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. This this reminds me of the the word groan a few verses down, and we're going to get there in a second. The, The Spirit, though, what Paul is saying here, the Spirit, if you belong to God through Jesus, the Spirit is there to constantly groan out to you, to bear witness with your spirit that you are my children and that we're co-heirs with Christ. I mean, think about what that means. I mean, God has one rightful son. His name is Jesus. And yet we're welcomed in this family as heirs with Jesus. That means like the inheritance like gets divided up equally. Like we get treated in this scenario as if we are Jesus, as if we've done all of the good things that he's done, as if we've avoided all of the sins that he has avoided. We are heirs. And he bears witness with our spirit that we are God's children. It's sort of, it's sort of like he is the adoption certificate when we begin to doubt that it could possibly be real. It's like, it's like he's the family picture hanging on the wall, right? And there, there we are. We can go and look at it. There, we're, we're, we're in there. We're part of the family. That's, that's what the Spirit is doing. It's like, it's like he's the arms of God holding us close, whispering to us, child, my child, this is who you are. It's like he's your new last name, and your last name is God's. And perhaps you've seen that kind of comfort in a child's eyes. Like when you look into a child's eyes and you, you know that they feel known and seen, loved and, and safe. They, they feel as if they belong. That's what's happening here. This is what the Spirit does for us. And when we bring him our groans in faith, he will groan right back with you and for you. And there is no one who can tell you who you are like your heavenly father. Let him define you. It's not, it's not your desires, your inclinations. It's not, it's not your friends, not your world, not your failures or successes. And when Satan tempts me to despair, telling of the guilt within, right, those moments when you look in the mirror and say, Nathan, you're just such a piece of trash. No, no one could love you. No one could want you. No one, if, people, if people really knew that about you, and yet the Spirit is there whispering, groaning out, no, that is not who you are. 
And when doubt overcomes you, and you feel so alone, you wonder if God has abandoned you, as the fears wash over you, the spirit groans out, no. You are chosen, not forsaken. I am for you, not against you, and I will never walk out on you. Listen for his groans. Let him tell you who you are because he wants to whisper deep within to your, to your own spirit. You are my son. You are my daughter, your truest self. For he tells us who we really are. That's the first thing. He groans out that we are his children. Second, second, our God groans out to us. I know what my children need. I know what you need, my child. So, so again, like Paul is painting this picture, our, our world is, it groans as if in childbirth. We groan as if waiting for adoption to be complete. And God himself then joins in the chorus, groaning, tuning our groans to his. Look again at verse 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness, helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Church, I love those words. That he helps us in our weakness. Like, like Paul's not, he's not Pollyanna about the world. He's not Pollyanna about what it means to be a human or how hard it is to follow Jesus. He knows that we are weak and our groanings are weak. But the Spirit helps us in our weakness. He hears our groans. And even, even when we don't know what to pray, and again, I love that Paul names this. It's like, like, I, I love that he's willing to go there because it makes me feel better about how bad I am or how bad I feel, at least, at praying, right? It's hard. It's hard to pray. I mean, not only does it feel sometimes incredibly awkward, but, like, what do, what do I even pray for? Like, God, what am I, what am I supposed to ask you for? Like, even, even in normal situations, this can be so hard. Like, I don't, I don't know what God wants. I don't even know what I want most of the time. I don't know what's best for me or for the people that I love the most. And so I, I try, you know, I pray, God, keep my kids safe. Please keep them safe. And like out of the same breath, I say, I, teach them grit, God. And it's almost like God is like, well, which do you want? Which do you want, right? I don't know. I don't know what I want. I mean, I, st- I still pray, but sometimes it just feels like guessing. And, I, and I, love, I love what Paul is saying here. that Like the spirit translates my lousy prayers my inadequate prayers, my unintelligent prayers, he translates them into what I should really be praying for. I kind of imagine the conversation happening like this. You know, I pray and I, you know, I'm doing my best in those prayers, but then it's like the Spirit says to the Father, you know, one, one of your children, Nathan, he's, he's asking you for X. But Nathan, bless his heart, he doesn't know what he wants. He thinks he wants X, but he doesn't know that if you give him X, it's going to lead over here and he definitely doesn't want to go over there. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask for why instead on his behalf because that's, that is what you want for him. That is what he really wants if he knew it. And so would you give 
Give your child why. I mean, are you with me? And that's, I mean, that's just the normal stuff, right? What about, what about when we don't even have the strength to ask? When all we can do is, is literally groan to God. Grown out, the mess is too big, the future is too hard, the pain is too deep. Sometimes, sometimes we groan because we don't know what to say. Sometimes we groan because words just aren't enough. But the Spirit hears our groans. And he joins with us in our groaning. He steps into that place of confusion, doubt, or fear. I mean, we're, his, we're, his children. we're God's children for crying out loud. This is what a good parent would do. And he adds his groans to ours. But here, here I think is the difference. While our groans are weak, his are strong. While our groans are so often filled with confusion, his have absolute clarity. When, when ours feel so deeply inadequate, when ours feel as if they're approaching despair, he groans with hope because he knows what his children need. And Paul says he intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That word intercede is such an interesting one. Like a, an intercessor is someone who pleads on our behalf, who kind of steps into the middle. And so it'd be like if you were to you know, help an immigrant file for legal protection. Like you would, you'd be that role as, a, as an intercessor. Or, or if you had a, an elderly friend and you, you wanted to advocate for them in their care in their nursing home, you would be like an intercessor for them. It's a similar word often used as, as prayer. Like it's, it's like praying. But the Spirit himself, not only does he intercede for us knowing exactly what we need, Paul says he intercedes for us knowing exactly God's will. Are you, are you following that? Like, he knows what we need, and he knows what God wants, and so the Spirit is like this bridge between what we want and what God wants, which means every request the Spirit makes on our behalf, God will grant. I imagine it a bit like this. This might be a weird illustration, so forgive me. You can tune this out if you think it's too much. But uh, I recently read this beautiful but really strange book, uh, The Sound of Life's Unspeakable Beauty, uh, written by a German violin maker, Martin Schleske. It's not, it's not my, normal, my normal reading. But he compares, he compares music, and the entire book is him comparing music and the, the art of making a violin to the life of following Jesus. So the whole thing is him kind of making comparisons along the way. And, and one of the things that grabbed me in particular, I didn't, I didn't know this, but part of his job as a violin maker is to actually look for the perfect trees. Like he, he begins that far back down the road. He talks about, he tells a story about scouring the high, like hiking up to the high altitude of the Alps after an avalanche, looking for the fallen trees, looking for just the right timber. And the best violins, he says are made from the trees that have lived through the harshest conditions. That if you, if you want a beautiful violin, you have to find a tree that has suffered. And so he compares this then, and I, and I, imagine, I imagine us as followers of Jesus, as this grove of groaning trees, 
each one of us, now made into violins, trying to play. But our, our groans, while very real, are still often so out of tune with God's. We just we don't know the notes to play. We don't we don't know how to put it in tune with, with him. It's almost like, you know, if you've ever been to the, the symphony, right? And you're, they're all like warming up at the beginning and tuning, and then finally the, the second it sounds terrible, and the second like the first violin chair like comes in, right? And they all tune together on that one, that one note. Like I feel like that's that's kind of what the spirit does. Like he he joins his groans with ours until we hit the right note. And the conductor smiles, and the symphony begins. And the song we're playing, it's a sad song. I mean, remember, it's, it's made up of our groaning world, our groaning selves, and our groaning God. It is a sad, sad song. But church, it's building to glory. Because this is, this is the last groan that we hear. Our God groans. Glory is coming. That's our, that's our song, church. Glory is coming. Yes, yes, we groan, but we will not groan forever. Again, go back to verse 18. Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. You know, I, I read that, and I'm almost like, Paul, you're so insensitive. Like, what do you know? I, you don't know what I'm going through. Like, but actually, Paul really suffered. Like, he ends up giving his life for Jesus. He was in and out of prisons. He was, he was beaten for following. I mean, like, he actually does know what he's talking about when it comes to suffering. He says it's not even worth comparing. Or verse 24, when he says this, For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. I, just, I love that rhetorical question. Who hopes for what he sees, right? Because church, like, what do we see? We see brokenness all around us and so often within us. Like, that, that is what we see, and that is what leads to more groans. Nobody hopes for that. But we hope for what we do not see. Because glory is coming. The crescendo is building. Our our world is in labor. And the pains are very great. Giving birth, giving birth is messy. And our groans are very real. But new creation will be born. And this, this is why Paul builds to this incredible, audacious promise, right? In verse 28, to, to Those who are God's people, he says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. All things. Not some things. Or most things. All. And so we wait. Patiently with eager expectation and great hope, knowing that through the Spirit's groans, God means good things for his children, that we, that we are his. He knows what we need, and glory is coming. And so, church, how do we wait? Well, by, 
by groaning, of course. Like, don't, don't be afraid of your groans. Don't hide them away. Don't sweep them under the rug. Don't ignore them or the groans of others. Instead, give God your groans. I think that's what's, what Paul is, is pushing us towards in this, this chapter. Don't be afraid of them. Bring them to him. Bring them knowing that our good father will never push us away. He'll never minimize the groans that we feel or tell us to buck up. Bring them to him even when you have no idea what you're asking for because you know that he prays on your behalf and he tunes our hearts to his. So church, when, when you groan, when you find yourself groaning, let it, let it be as a prayer to God. Think of it that way. That, it, that it's your in, you know, sort of indistinguishable, indecipherable groan to God. Knowing that he groans with you and for you. That he sees you in your deepest hurt, your deepest fear, your deepest shame. And as you groan, so does he. But he promises you this. Your groaning will become glory. So give God your groans. Give God your groans. And church, we're about to do that right now. This is... This is one of those groaning moments in the life of our church family, one of those moments when we need to, to hear the groan of our God whispering us, reminding us, you are my children. I know what you need, and better days are coming. But today we groan. Church, we have some really hard news to share with you. Andrew. Hello, friends. Uh, many of you I know and love and haven't seen for a while. Uh, some of you I haven't uh, even had the chance to meet yet, um, but I want to share some news uh, with you this morning. It has been one of the great privileges of my life to serve as a pastor here at the Shawnee campus since we launched in 2015. As a family of faith, we have enjoyed beautiful moments of gospel community and ministry together. We've also faced many challenges as a church, perhaps not as intensely difficult as the relational, emotional, spiritual challenges of the last 18 months. It has been a grueling stretch for all of us, pastors and church leaders included. Last fall, I embarked upon a journey toward my own emotional and relational health. In part, this included self-reflective work with a Christian counselor that, that uncovered really deep-seated, long-standing hurts and wounds and emotions. And over the past year, this journey has included moments where I responded to others in really unhealthy and hurtful ways, which regretfully had a really negative impact on our staff team. I'm sorry for the harm that I have caused, especially to the Shawnee staff and their families. This summer, my sabbatical afforded me unique time and space to consider the best pathway forward to emotional and spiritual wholeness, and I'm grateful for that gift. After much discussion with church leadership, 
trusted mentors, my closest friends, we've decided together that it would be best for me and for the church if I step away from pastoral ministry for a season of healing and restoration. As a result, I've submitted my resignation from my position as, as a pastor at Christ Community. The church has accepted this action as the best way forward. Beth and I are incredibly sad to say farewell to this worshiping community. This place has truly become our home. It has been a privilege to serve at your side. We're also sorry for the, for the hardship and the heartache that my departure is going to bring to this body. As, as we know, this will be a really difficult transition. But we believe in God's redemptive activity and his redemptive purposes in all things and are eager to witness his, his wisdom, his faithfulness in and through this season, both in our family and at the Shawnee campus. We love you. Uh, we need to pray, don't we? Many of us are groaning right now. You know, even those of you who are new, who maybe don't know the Campbells, right, you feel, you feel the groan of this church family. It is, it is heavy. And so may God remind us by his spirit that we are his children. May he do that for Andrew and Beth, that you are his, and you are loved, that he can bring healing and restoration to all of us. And may God intercede for us with groanings too deep for words. So let's, let's take some time to do that now, church. Let's take a minute or so of just silence to, to allow those groans, all of us to groan up to our, our loving Heavenly Father. Um, pray silently, and then a couple of us will pray as well. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful that you hear our groans and that you add your groans to ours through your spirit. And so we groan out to you now, knowing that you will take our feeble stumblings and give us what we truly need. Would you whisper to Andrew and Beth right now that they are loved and that they belong to you? Remind us all that you've called us family and that you know what we need, and that we can trust you to do what is best.
God, we do pray for, for healing, for restoration. We pray for the staff, for your church. Help us to be faithful to what you've called us to, loving one another, loving and serving our community, and loving you. And so, Holy Spirit, we thank you for hearing our groans and for translating them to the Father on our behalf.